A secluded island nation, Acadia only recently opened to the world at large. A long century at war with undead forces led the populace to huddle in their walled city, fearful and paranoid. For over 500 years, outsiders were only allowed entry to the docks, the trade district, and on rare occasions, into the spire. However, recent developments within Acadian society and economy led the government to open wide the nation's doors. Now, the city thrives on trade from all over the world, offering unique goods, materials, and crafts to a curious populace. However, all is not as peaceful and prosperous as it seems. Long-established ideas are being tested, and the old guard of Acadian society grows more xenophobic. The Academy Arcane tightens its grip on magical activity, fearing the influence the outsiders bring. The dominant draconic deity-worshipping religion, the Alabaster Order, now sees opposition from foreign beliefs flooding in. A mistreated, poverty-stricken district eyes the influx of wealth with equal measures of hope and avarice. What was once a sealed-off land, safe in its high-walled cocoon, now churns with entropy, and with chaos comes adventure. Enter Acquisitions Incorporated. The ever-enterprising adventuring company wasted no time exploring Acadia as a possible new business venture. The company's founder, Omendron, discovered the Acadian Defenders, an adventuring guild of sorts, that was down on its luck. Having lost many of its members in a recent confrontation with a necromancy-infatuated alchemist, the Defenders were facing bankruptcy. Not one to look a gift horse in the mouth, Omendron immediately set about purchasing the group and he set up the old Defender's headquarters as the brand new Acadian branch of Acquisitions Incorporated. It is here that our players enter, as skilled individuals, savvy in both the world of adventure and the red tape of company life, seeking employment with the newest franchise of Ac Inc. I'm your host and Dungeon Master, Peter Johnson, and using the newly published Acquisitions Incorporated handbook, made in collaboration by Penny Arcade and Dungeons and & Dragons, combined with my own homebrewed world of Acadia, Embark with us now on a fantasy journey full of intrigue, action, and corporate team-building exercises. I give you Ack Inc. Acadia. Hello, my name is Carl, and I'm playing as a brave, courageous, towering halfling named Pip Helpfree, also known as Scouty Pippin. Being very experienced in martial combat has led him to become a fighter, and in his early adult life, he joined the Acadian Defenders as a soldier. At 24 years old, he was chosen to be a scout due to his great athleticism, agility, and stealth. But the Defenders fell apart over time, leading Pip to join Acquisitions Incorporated after they bought out the Acadian Defenders. He now currently works as an obviator for Acquisitions Incorporated. Pip is really easygoing, but he still has a bit of his military background drilled into him. He's very fond of last names and using them to address almost anyone. He can be a very focused man when the time calls, and he has a great work ethic. Pip is a bit of a loose cannon when it comes to close combat. Being that small, you'd be surprised to see how hard he can pack a punch. Fighting a lot in his younger years has led him to be a bit rough with his companions and has given him a higher sense of empathy towards others who struggle and are just trying to get by with day-to-day -day life. Children are his biggest soft spot. Knowing the feeling of being defenseless, Pip makes sure that absolutely no one bothers or threatens a child. Seeing brutality has made him numb towards all the odds and ends of death. He doesn't see it in a negative light, but as a relief on the conscience of wrongdoers. Once you've passed, there is no more stress on life, until being judged by the gods. This allows him to fight the opposition and to keep the people and things he cherishes safe. Pip owes his life to the military for rounding him out and making him the man he is today. 
Pip was a twin, but lost his sister, Nedney, many years ago due to a strange illness. Pip is 36 years of age, around 3 foot 2, and weighs a solid 37 pounds. His hair is light brown with a bit of length, and his skin is a caramel color, tanned from working outside as a soldier. Pip wears loose-fitting, earth-tone clothes to blend into his surroundings. He has a bit of a permanent squint in his right eye due to his scouting days when he'd be on watch for multiple hours looking through his spyglass. Pip joined on Acquisitions Incorporated because he liked the new perks that the job offered him, along with his position. He's been eliminating the opposition for years, so it wasn't new to him. He figured the new big business would express their gratitude towards him with a big bonus for his endeavors. Mostly, he liked the sound of creating his own business. He doesn't know what the future holds, but he wants to be secure for as long as possible. Hello, my name is Chris, and I'll be playing a secretive, shy, Cambian tiefling witch named Lilith, who joined Acquisitions Incorporated as an occultant. Lilith is a Cambian tiefling with a seemingly human complexion, long black hair, two small horns that she keeps hidden under a large black witch hat, and a long red tail. She typically wears a black hooded cloak which covers most of her body. Lilith was not born a tiefling, but rather a moon elf known as Navara of House Nailo. Navara lusted after power and knowledge, and had a natural gift to speak with the dead and spirits whose names have long been forgotten. Navara joined the Academy Arcane in Arcadia to gain power and learn all that she could. But before she could do that, a spirit contacted her which told her of a book that would grant her forgotten and ancient wisdom. But she was tricked. It was actually a spell to contact the great devil from the Nine Hells. The devil had no interest in giving her the knowledge she sought, but instead bestowed a gift to her, turning her into a Cambian, a succubus half-breed. He claimed that she now belonged to him, that she should feel grateful to be in the service of a powerful devil, and that he put a piece of his essence in her that speaks into her mind. After the Academy learned of this summoning, Navarro was excommunicated and soon after, the Academy began hunting for her on charges of necromancy and dark summonings. She began living in hiding, taking a new identity. Given her new appearance, it was relatively easy for her to hide from the Academy, but she needed a secret place to continue conducting her research and summonings to thwart the Devil's Curse. So she now lives in a small rundown house in the slums. When Acquisitions Incorporated bought out the Arcadian Defenders, she saw this as a chance to use their connections to further her research in hope of gaining her freedom back. As it turns out, her ability to speak with the dead aids her in her new job as an occultant to analyze the death of others to sheer into the future. Lilith has a natural charming presence, probably because of her recently turning into a succubus, but is still shy and very secretive. Because of her crimes, she is skeptical of trusting new people, always believing they will find out who she really is. She holds the book used to summon the devil very close, never parting with it for a second, a book this evil must never be read by anyone else. My name is Jacob Frank and I'm playing as Aizen Cruxus, an Eladrin elf paladin with the Oath of Devotion and the Decisionist for Acquisitions Incorporated. Aizen has faint blue and white hair with blue eyes, pale white skin, and blue streaks on his body. He has a blue streak right across his left eye as well. 
As a child, Aizen was accidentally brought into the material world through a merger between the material plane and the Feywild. He landed in the forest just outside of Acadia City, where he was found by several members of Acadian defenders. He was then raised by one of them, a wood elf by the name of Rhythian Cruxus. Rhythian gave Aizen his new name and raised him like his own. Growing up, Rhythian taught Aizen the belief of Savros, the god of divination and fate. Rhythian told Aizen that he believed that Savros was not dead, but alive somewhere in the Astral Sea. Aizen made it to his life quest to one day bring back Savros from the sea, and to this day, Aizen feels a faint power inside him that he believes comes from Savros. Once Aizen came of age, he joined the Akkadian defenders to serve and protect the nation. One day, Aizen found himself assigned to a partner, Rakust, the dwarf. While partners, Aizen discovered that Rakust had been conducting cruel experiments on people, and one of them happened to be his father, Rhythian. Rhythian survived the experiments but came home badly wounded. Aizen tended to his wounds and prayed to Savros that Rakust be punished with his life. Shortly after, Aizen discovered that Rakust had been struck down by newcomers of the Akkadian defenders. Unfortunately, Rhythian had passed away due to improper medical attention at the infirmary with the Akkadian defenders. While Aizen was pursuing legal action against the militia, Acquisitions Incorporated bought out the Akkadian defenders. Forced into a corner, Acquisitions Incorporated offered Aizen a job as restitution. Aizen then accepted and became a decisionist within the company. Now Aizen serves Acquisitions Incorporated while searching for Savros in hopes to change fate and bring his father back. Aizen's traits change like the four seasons as his emotions change. He is a trait for summer, autumn, winter, and spring, all affecting him in different ways. Hello, my name is Nathan Wintermute, and I will be playing as Hawthorne Flaxtop, an artificer halfling. Born to a family of moderate success, Hawthorne grew up running barefoot through lush acres of jute, hemp, and cotton. The Flaxtops were known for some of the strongest bowstrings in Faerun, and had achieved a moderate wealth from this, as well as standard textile production. These fields provided the raw materials as well as a testing ground for new breeds of natural fiber plants. The weaving prowess of the Flaxtops was coupled with their characteristically laid-back attitude toward life. Skill and wealth were inherent and meant to precede luxury. At an early age, Hawthorne's lithe hands were put to use learning the tools and techniques of the trade. From large looms and spinning wheels to intricate weaves, knits, and braids, his skills were mastered to the level of a guild craftsman by the age of 20. He was quickly accepted to the nearby Artisan College in Wolf's Edge, encouraged by a generous donation from Hickory Flaxtop. Under the tutelage of several skilled but linear scholars, Hawthorne expanded his knowledge of tradesmanship in all facets of invention. It was here that Hawthorne also discovered his unique and profound ability to create materials and tools that could mimic spells that only the traveling adventurer or cleric possessed. While the miracles produced by Hawthorne's inventions were infused with arcane essence, the effects were only possible through the mechanical and physical connection that he created in the objects. A simple piece of fabric could be strengthened to rival the finest tempered steel by weaving the yarns with imperceptible tensioning patterns. This process in particular became known as silk steel infusion. From that time on, Hawthorne focused all his energy toward artificery and mechanism. This gained him a smattering of fame in the local regions, leading to the proposition of a job at a fledgling adventuring company known as Procurements Affiliated. 
In the wake of the successful model that Acquisitions Incorporated spearheaded, many entrepreneurial types sought to piggyback off the notoriety that Acquisitions Incorporated provided. Procurements Affiliated was one such opportunist. Hawthorne, still riding the wake of his newly acquired talent, accepted a position with Procurements Affiliated as field mechanist and gadgetry expert. This work allowed Hawthorne to continue to improve his techniques and see the world. However, in every waking moment off-duty, he began to construct the largest mechanical wonder he had ever attempted. In total, 89 sleepless nights, 96 gallons of sweat, 19 stitches, 2 lost eyebrows that have since grown back, and one year of laboring bore the fruit of a magnificent mechanical yak. At this time, the growth of procurements affiliated was clearly stagnating, and the executives began to grasp at straws, treading the waters of corporate debt. A new strategy was needed to keep from falling off the financial precipice. Therefore, Hawthorne was chosen to infiltrate a newly established branch of Acquisitions Incorporated in the nation of Acadia and provide business intelligence back to procurements affiliated. Hawthorne chartered a passage on a merchant vessel and made the three-week journey from Waterdeep. The journey passed quickly and the ship arrived one dawn in Acadia. As Hawthorne unloaded his last toolbox from his cabin, he stared back at the sunrise over the forest and placed a hand on the silk steel mane of his yak. Long strands of dirty blonde hair whipped around his hastily bundled knot in the wind. He had already achieved what no one had before, reining the weave into physical form. What hurdles could stop him now? He turned to descend the gangway to mainland Acadia, but before he could move to leave the railing, a voice called from the dock below. Flaxtop! Letter for Flaxtop! Quickly waving the courier down, he retrieved the letter and glimpsed the seal on it. A shining bow, the Flaxtop Crest. It was then during his first moments in Acadia that he read these words. Our dearest Hawthorne, we fear this letter bears grave news. Tulip has disappeared. We think for good this time. It has been three weeks without a trace. Please keep your ear to the ground. She adores you and may come to you. We fear the worst, Hickory and Myrtle. <laughs>